Well, last week I announced that our church van has updated graphics. Uh, it now actually has our name on it, and it has uh, a new logo on the side. And you may not have seen the van, but perhaps you noticed the logo on the front window when you came in today. Good art carries multiple meanings. And in the logo, there are a number of lines. The, the wavy horizontal blue lines suggest water, waters of baptism, the waters of the river of life in Revelation, the waters of our river town. And the vertical green line suggests life reaching up towards heaven, the tree of life, abundant life, spiritual growth. The lines intersect to form a cross, and the cross is at the center of it all, and from the cross comes resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus, and 2,000 years later, a group of Christians who call themselves Resurrection Church. There's a lot of meaning to be seen in the logo. Plus, it's bright and fun and unusual. And God likes unusual. This winter in our messages, we're looking at all the unusual people that God used to accomplish God's purposes. We've seen God use imperfect parents like Mary and Joseph and seniors with excellent excuses like Sarah and Abraham. And today we're going to look at how God uses a child of the church. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Someone who grew up in the church. Their parents brought them to church, or maybe their grandparents. And from the time they were a child, they had Bible stories read to them. They prayed before bedtime. They were taken to Sunday school. A child of the church never knew a time when they didn't have some kind of relationship with Jesus. Were you a child of the church? Or were you someone who came to faith the hard way? It wasn't handed to you from birth. You had to struggle with Jesus until in some dramatic moment you discovered that he is real. Like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. And I would say, remember that story? But if you didn't grow up as a lifelong Christian, maybe you didn't learn that story in Sunday school, the story of Paul and the Damascus Road. So here it is from the Bible. Paul hated Christians. He wanted to do all he could to destroy the church. And he's on his way to Damascus to arrest the Christians there. And bring them back for trial. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What a story. Blinded by the light of Christ on the road to Damascus, miraculously healed, Paul immediately gets baptized, and he goes on to become probably the most important Christian in the New Testament. In fact, he wrote more books of the Bible than, than anyone else. Paul was not a child of the church. He became a Christian the hard way. And maybe it was like that for you. You had to get hit upside the head by two by four, so to speak, for Jesus to get your attention. It took a Damascus Road experience to bring you to faith. You know, every year we have the adult and teen challenge choir here. And it's always so inspiring because they have such a testimony. Their lives have been transformed like that by Jesus. They've had Damascus Road experiences. People headed in the wrong direction have been saved by God's grace. And maybe you have a story like that. And though you wish you could have avoided all the pain and suffering along the way, you know that, that God has used your story to bring him glory. And if that's you, praise Jesus. God can use people like you. But what if you don't have a story like that? What if you grew up a child of the church? I'm going to let you teen challenge type folks in on a little secret. Those lifelong Christians, many of them are jealous of you. They feel a bit left out. You have a powerful testimony. You have Damascus Road stories. They make movies about people like you. You write songs like the slave trader John Newton did, whose dramatic conversion led him to write, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. But what if you weren't a wretch? What if you weren't blind, only mildly nearsighted? What, can God use someone like that? Can God use someone who has grown up as a part of the church all their life, who doesn't have a big story to tell because the story has always been a part of them? Well, let me tell you about Timothy. Timothy is mentioned in the New Testament more than anyone besides Paul and Jesus himself. But for Timothy, there's no Damascus Road experience, no dramatic conversion story that we're told. He was a child of the church, a lifelong Christian. Paul writes to him in a couple of letters. And in, in 2 Timothy, Paul says to him, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Also, it says, <clears throat> I'm reminded of your sincere faith, <clears throat> which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Because Christianity is so new when, when these words are written, there aren't many stories about lifelong Christians like Timothy third-generation Christians. But like many of us, there's never a time when he didn't know about the grace of Jesus Christ. And yet, he became Paul's indispensable friend and co-worker. Even without a dramatic conversion story, Timothy plays an important part in God's plan. God can use someone like Timothy, and God can use someone like you even if your testimony doesn't have the flash of a Damascus Road experience or the heart-tugging drama of a teen challenge conversion, God can use even you children of the church. So don't be ashamed of your testimony. It doesn't have to be movie-worthy. Just share the faith that you've received from your mother or father or grandmother or grandfather. Let me continue on and when I was reading from 2 Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gave us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us into a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Purpose and grace. For all of us, Damascus Roaders or children of the church, it's all grace. And it all accomplishes God's purpose. So don't be ashamed of your testimony about the Lord, whatever it is. Because God can use someone like you with your testimony. And as unlikely and as unusual as it may seem to you, God can use someone like you. Just like he used the unlikely Paul and the unusual Timothy. You know, I don't know if you, you picked up on those words that I just read about how unusual Timothy really is. You know, he wasn't just a, a lifelong third-generation Christian. Timothy's also unusual because he doesn't fit the stereotype that we have of the kinds of people God uses, the great biblical heroes. The stereotype is that God uses these courageous defenders of the faith gifted speakers, brilliant Bible scholars, folks like Martin Luther who faced down powerful pressure to, to recant his faith by saying, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. We look at those, those great biblical heroes, but, but look at what Paul said to Timothy there. He said, fan into flame the gift of God. His flame must have been burning low. Paul says, 
the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Was Timothy kind of a low-energy Christian? Was he timid and self-doubting? Seems so. When Paul writes to the Corinthian church and tells them that Timothy is coming to visit them, he gives the Corinthians some special instructions on how to treat Timothy. This is from 1 Corinthians 16. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. Other translations put it, take care that he isn't fearful when he's with you, or see to it that you put him at ease so that he may be fearless, or try to make him comfortable with you. Don't intimidate him. You get the picture that that Timothy is timid, fearful, full of self-doubts, at least when it comes to his work for the Lord. And yet Paul used him. God used him. Is that you? Do you question yourself? Do you look down on yourself? Do you wonder how God could use you with all your anxieties and your introverted personality? You know, it's amazing all the kinds of people God uses. I'd worked with a lot of pastors when I was a DS. And did you know that a majority of pastors are actually introverts? I mean, you don't think about that. Because pastors speak in public. And how could an introvert do that? But many of us do it with knees shaking and palms sweating. And we're grateful when you are like the Corinthians and try to put us at ease so we may be fearless in proclaiming the gospel. But God uses all kinds, even people with self-doubts. Last Sunday after church, I was out there having coffee, and I heard from in here this marvelous music. And it wasn't our band, and it wasn't the radio. It sounded like a, a choir of angels. And so I had to come back in and, and peek in to see what was going on. And gathered around up here, there was Jesse and Marcia and three of our our young women, our young students. Marcia had gathered them into an impromptu choir and was leading them in song, and they were amazing. Then Marcia tried to push them a little bit further and get somebody to, to actually step out and lead, to sing a solo. And so she pointed to one student and said, okay, now you take it. And her eyes got big, and her mouth hung open, and the music stopped. She didn't quite believe in herself the way Marcia believed in her. Now I hope they'll keep on singing and gain self-confidence, that they may fan into flames the gift that God has given them. They could do amazing things for the Lord. At that moment, though, it seemed more than they could handle. They became self-conscious and doubted their gifts. Is that you? Has someone noticed a gift in you? 
that God could use, but you just blew them off? He said, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't sing like that. I couldn't lead a Bible study. I, I couldn't work with kids. My art isn't good enough. My knowledge isn't deep enough. My health isn't strong enough. I'm an introvert. I don't have a dramatic story. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too busy. I'm too much of a mess. You ever made, come up with reasons to doubt yourself? Well, Timothy was, in, was a mess too. No dramatic conversion story to tell. No self-confidence. Timid and full of anxiety. And to add one more strike against him, Timothy was young in a culture that valued age and experience. Just one more thing to be self-conscious about. Paul writes in, to him in 1 Timothy, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in impurity. On Tuesday, like I mentioned, we're going to hold our our annual church conference meeting, and uh, we're going to see a, a presentation on the state of the church, celebrate what God has done in the past, look forward to what God is going to do in the future. We'll have some worship, some songs, uh, some treats, but we'll also uh, be electing some, some people into leadership. And this year, for the first time since I've been here, we actually have two young people who've agreed to be part of the Staff Parish Relations Committee, which is our personnel committee, our staff committee. Duncan Cousant, who is in training to be a firefighter and was last year's youth intern, and Garrett Watterson, who is in high school. The Book of Discipline, our, our church bylaws, actually sets aside a place on that committee for a young adult and for a youth member. And the reason is simple. When it comes to having an effective church, it's important to, to have people of all ages and to be able to, to listen. Because churches often overlook young people. I mean, we support them, we send them off to camp, things like that, but, but sometimes churches don't ask young people to be in leadership and to, to listen to their voice. And then other times they ask, but young people don't have the confidence to say yes. But God can use a young person like Timothy, and I'm sure God will use Duncan and Garrett. Now, young is relative. I had a church, uh, a church council chair say to me one time that the only reason she was doing it is that no one else would do it. She'd done it for like 50 years. And the only reason she was doing it is because no one else would do it. I said, well, I, I think uh, um, there's probably somebody else that would do it. So I talked to their pastor, and the pastor found a 40-year-old woman who was asked and was delighted to accept the nomination to be the church council chair. But when the sitting chair heard this, she refused to step down, <laughs> saying that the other woman was too young and she didn't know how things were done correctly. And that woman was 40 years old, young. Young is relative. Timothy was probably younger. 
than that woman, younger than, than you and I. And you may be young like Timothy too, or maybe not. But either way, I'm pretty sure that God has a plan for you because God has a plan for all sorts of unusual people. People like Timothy, a child of the church, too young and too self-conscious to be the obvious choice. But God used him just like he used Paul. In fact, this very day, in the Orthodox churches around the world, it's St. Timothy's Day. And they celebrate him. And, not, and uh, in the Catholic churches, they celebrate his day on Thursday. So if you miss today, you can celebrate again on Thursday. Not bad for someone who is timid, frightened, and self-doubting. But God uses all sorts of people. People maybe even like you and me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the way that, that you use people that might not be the usual suspects. People like Timothy who had self-doubts, who's timid, whose faith was needed some, uh, a fan to, to raise the flame. Or people like us. Lord, some of us have come by dramatic experiences where you have knocked us down, where you have miraculously healed us, where you've spoken to us in unmistakable ways like on the Damascus Road in Paul. But others of us you've called from the moment we were born. We had a grandmother or a mother some other person in our life from the very beginning who pointed us to you. Either way, Lord, we are yours. So use us as you will to carry out your work in this world. In Jesus' name.